Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up? What's up? What's up? How's everybody doing on this Tuesday morning? This is Shukri Wright, host of the Believe in the Hub of Champions podcast. With yours truly, a man who I frankly admire greatly. And I'm not afraid to say this. The guy is a national television sports host on Stadium Network. Go check it out on, on, on your local smart TVs, wherever you are in the nation, as well as he's he's been on the Today Show. He's been on NBC, CNN, Sports Grid TV. I mean, the man has been in more homes in America than, than a hinge app. So <laughs> that in itself, let's just tell you something. Cam Rogers, it's a distinct honor to have you on the pod, man. What's going on? How are you doing today? So great to be with you. Appreciate that intro. I appreciate what you do in this industry. You are killing it right now. And it's great that we are collabing right here and going to be a good show, my man. I, I appreciate that greatly. And uh, I'm not tired. I am just amazed by what I've been watching in terms of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, last night was insane. I was watching the Lightning in the um the Maple Leafs game that that insane comeback by the Maple Leafs um down four one winning in five four in overtime, mm. um I've, I've been keeping my eyes on the um on the Celtics as well which we will start off with in which tonight is a big night, game five they're up three one in the series they have an opportunity to close the series out at home there's no reason why this series should even be going back to Atlanta if anything. When the Brown, when, when the J boys come to TD Garden later on today, there should be no suitcase packed. The only bag that should be packed is is a is a burka bag, on uh, with cash on where they're gonna where and how they're gonna spend the money at Encore and Everett. For those of you that are in Boston, you know, and that's it. So, Cam, I just want to get your thoughts, overall view on the Celtics during this series, impressions, concerns that you have about the Celtics. After this game tonight, the Celtics will be celebrating at the harp. They will be throwing down because oh they will God, be yes. <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> making me hungry. It's only, not, it's only 940 in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> so this series is over, I think. I mean, no DeJounte Murray here for the Atlanta Hawks. I think that's a major hit oh, for yeah. Atlanta. And mm. obviously, you know me, I'm big on the betting side of things and the spreads. And when you have a money line of like minus 800, that's Vegas <laughs> telling you this is a formality. Over. And even the spread is minus 13. I think the Celtics win this game by like 20 at least tonight. So I still think there's value in terms of the spread. But the Hawks have been bad ATS overall this season, 35, 45, and two. Mm. And again, outside of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray for Atlanta, I haven't seen much from the Hawks in this series. So I at think all. it's just, mm -hmm. this is not like, the Bucks series, right? You're not going to see Atlanta get this done uh, as far as winning the series in general, and probably mm -hmm. not tonight. Uh, obviously, we have the Heat, which is a whole other story, beating up on the Bucks, which is really interesting. Oh, to oh see. We'll, we'll we'll get to that in, in just a bit. Go ahead. Yeah, 
So I think this is chalk, chalk, chalk. I think the Celtics will go ahead and do their thing at home, play better defense. I think the X factor is our guy, Robert Williams. Oh, he was yeah. a difference maker in mm -hmm. that game for 29 minutes, 13 points, 15 boards and blocked two shots. Like <laughs> this guy, I think is oh, going yeah. to ball out tonight. So yeah, I think it's been a warm up series for the Celtics yeah, in reality. You agree. agree, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, things will get tougher as we go down the bracket here, but Mm -hmm. I think this series is over after tonight at the Garden. You, you know, it's interesting. Um, on Saturday, I talked about this on my radio show um, in in in, the, in here in the Metro Boston, in which I said, "Listen, the number one thing that the that the Celtics have to do better rebound," because I thought in Game Three, the Hawks they they won a lot more of the fifty fifty balls. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. They were a lot better in terms of rebounding, especially the offensive rebound side of things. And and whenever the Celtics would make a push, there was always a, a, an answer. And you saw that late in the fourth quarter in game three. Game four, I thought there was a purpose. And it started with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Both had 31 points each. And I thought, I said, you know, if those guys could lead the way, everything else will fall into place. But as you mentioned, and you mentioned correctly, Robert Williams, I mean, he is literally the difference between the Celtics being a championship team, which I genuinely believe that they are, mm -hmm. and or being an elite team that's just missing a piece from winning banner number 18. So when you look at the Celtics and you look at like some of the things that, that they've done well in this series, what is one thing that stands out to you? What is one thing that that, that, that gets you saying, you know, if I'm any other team in the East right now, I don't think I, I really want to face the Celtics in the second round or even in the conference finals or anything like that. Yeah, they've been uber efficient on offense, right? I think that's yeah. been the one constant for them throughout this series, and I think that will carry over into the next series, whomever that opponent is. Yeah, I will just go back to the rebounding, if I may, because sure. there yeah, is absolutely more frustrating to agree when you're watching a basketball game and you're rooting mm -hmm. for your team and they are getting outboarded oh I, oh yeah frustrating to watch because mm -hmm. it's like especially on the offensive glass right when you are um not when the other team is getting all those second chance points it's like for god's sakes rip the board mm -hmm. uh so that was a little bit concerning for me going into game three game four even though they won game four you know, seeing those stats, especially in game three, though, when they got really out rebounded, um, that is a little element of concern, right? Yeah. You have to wonder if that's some foreshadowing as we go forward here deeper into the playoffs when the Celtics are playing against more athletic, larger teams down the board here, down the bracket. So something to keep in mind there. But I think the most impressive thing, obviously, has been the efficiency on the offensive side. And I think that's going to continue throughout. Absolutely. And I think that that was something that was a message that Joe Mazzula really hammered down on the players. Hey, you need to do a better job on crashing the boards. Yeah. Offensive rebounding, getting after the 50, 50 balls. And when this team is rolling, they are absolutely lethal shooting from beyond, beyond the three. And, and I, and I talked about this before the postseason began, the, the number one concern that I have was when the Celtics are shooting 30, percent and higher they have the best record in the nba but when they're shooting below 30 percent their their record really 
like dips and and in the NBA playoffs, unless you're the Golden State Warriors, right? Like you're not going to win games by just relying on the three. And I've been imploring going back to last playoff season, the Celtics have got to do a better job of creating offensive opportunities, uh, especially in the paint. And when you got guys like Robert Williams and Al Horford, playoff Al Horford, may I add, like that now creates a whole other element where it's like, I don't think you could stop this team. And even, even the bench, and you looked at guys like Malcolm Brogdon, there's a reason why he was just named the Sixth Man of the Year award. It's it's like this is an impossible storm for any team to handle. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> going to football real quick here. I'm huh. a big boy football fan. I love elite offensive line play and Woo! elite defensive that line play. That was a defensive play, lineman, okay? so I love it. Oh, yeah. Trenches, oh, yeah. Baby, because that's where the game is won. Mm-hmm. Applying that logic to basketball, I am an old-school basketball fan. I want players eating the boards, and mm-hmm. I want easy shots. So oh, yeah. The reality is, if you rely on the three, I mean, this is just basic math here, mm-hmm. and you have a bad game from three, I mean, your margin for error is thinner to win yeah. a basketball game as compared to a team that is efficient with a two-point shot or has a couple of trees down low that can mm-hmm. be, you know, janitors, if you will, and clean things up. Yeah. So that is another element, too, and I'm glad you bring that up about concern with the Celtics, that reliance a little bit from mm-hmm. beyond the arc. And obviously this is a new day and age of the NBA. This is not the 90s. This is not Larry Bird's era or what have you. Yeah. But uh, it's something to keep in mind because variance is very much part of the three-point game. And again, unless you are yeah, the legends of Steph and Clay and what have you, mm-hmm. you're going to have some bad games from beyond the arc. How do you adapt from there? That is going to be the key. And maybe tonight the Celtics are bad from three but still dominate. That is the perfect scenario, yeah. I think, if you're a Celtics fan. If they're bad from three and they dominate tonight – that will give the players the confidence, okay, we don't have to be magical from three every single game. We have other ways to win. Exactly. And and as as we go from like the, the, the hard court to just the overall um like Boston sports scene as, as it currently stands, I can't remember a time, I probably ever, and especially since I moved to Boston several years ago now where the Bruins and the Celtics have legitimate chances to win championship in their leagues. And I look at the the Bruins betting odds when they when they first um like when they when they first uh, began the season and versus now where like they've been the prohibited favorites for months. Yeah. Because of just because of just how dominant they've been and you look at the Celtics in terms of in terms of like their their, their betting odds and 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 them and them being potential favorites as well, and you look at the developments that happened last night, Heat, Bucks, and the ramifications of the Heat potentially closing out the Bucks, which would be a shocker. It really would be, considering mm-hmm. that you expected this to be a lot more of a series, but. Jimmy Butler has said, I'm going to show everybody why I'm a bad man down at down in South Beach. I mean, 56 points um, last night in, in game four for the Heat. How has the Heat potentially upsetting the Milwaukee Bucks 
impacted the the betting odds for um for the Celtics in terms of their their chances of winning an NBA title. Well, I think that the Celtics will become even more chalk if the Bucks don't end up advancing because obviously a lot of people in the public were on the Bucks going into the NBA playoffs. Yeah. But just going back to reliability, if you will, and variance. Sure. Yeah. You've got Jimmy Butler dominating Jimmy buckets, but how yeah. many times throughout the <laughs> NBA playoffs can he do that? Throw up 50 plus points, right? And then, yeah. you know, so you have to think about that. So in theory, you're going to see some regression to the mean mm. from Jimmy Butler. He will not be shooting 50 points plus every single game in the NBA playoffs. So who else can step up? Is it Bam? I don't know. So something to keep in mind there with the Heat. I will say, though, they are winning this series. The Heat are. Yeah. What they'll do in the next round. Who knows? Know. They'll, they'll be playing either the, the winner of the Knicks and Cavs series. Right. And, and that will be fa- if it's the Knicks, which I think it will be. This bring, be for fun. me, this has been my memories of the 90s. And I and like and like I was never a, like a, a hardcore Knicks fan. But I remember those those Knicks heat matchups in the late 90s, like especially like 90, 98 and 99. Whoo. It's going to bring back a lot of vibes. You get what I'm saying? Bring back some memes, no doubt. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been but, super impressive what Jimmy's doing. Ab- absolutely. And uh, I feel like I feel like in the NBA may, may very well be like a, a common theme on this on this pod, which is which is shocking. I know the draft is in 48 hours, Patriot fans. Cut, cut me some slack. By the way, so I'm yeah. from New England, born and raised, all that good stuff have a lot of ties to the area. You've yeah. got the Bruins, you've got the Celtics, both with legitimate championship chances. Yeah. And Boston sports radio hosts talk about? Patriots. Patriots, NFL draft, blah, 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 ad nauseum. And I get it too. My dad complains about this all the time because he oh, does yeah. listen to the knuckleheads as he calls them. Yeah. Um, you're not one of them, of course. But uh, he is basically like, all of these good things are happening, but yet these hosts decide to just crap on whatever the Patriots are doing. And again, I get it because you can't go against the shield, right? The NFL yeah. is the NFL. It is the king of it ratings. King. And mm-hmm. I get it, but it's just so interesting. <laughs> it really is. And it's been a gripe of mine for a little for a little while now. But I do I think once we get past this week, and this is just my personal opinion. Unless I can't determine what these producers are going to do. I I don't know. But once we get past this week, I think the focus really would turn on to 100% Bruins and Celtics because I I can't help but to think to myself, we may be in for an epic round two of both playoffs between Bruins. And I'm going to say this, and I said this last night on Twitter, and of course, people are already laughing, Riddick, which I knew was going to happen. I actually believe that the Leafs could actually um, close out the Tampa Bay Lightning, whether it was in Game Five or in Game Six, doesn't matter. But I think the Leafs are actually going to win this series. It's going to be potentially Bruins, Leafs in Round One, sorry, Round Two, and Celtics and Sixers. I mean that yeah. that I think would be It's going to be really fascinating in terms of just the storylines. How yeah. is the health of Joel Embiid, because the knee, the knee has been balking and has been an, a somewhat of an issue. And as well as, like, what more can you can you get from 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 Maxi, Tobias Harris, 
and as well as some of the other um key players on, on the 76ers, and as well as just the the idea that the Sixers have something to prove because they have been consistent playoff fail, failures and disappointments over the last three or four years. So, Cam, like, what are your early impressions on what isn't of official formality just yet in terms of the yeah. Celt- of Celtic Sixers? But I think we both can agree that's going to be very likely the matchup around two. Yeah, so you are dealing with two things if you're the 76ers. One, it's the narrative. They yeah. can't advance in the playoffs. Two, you've got the health of Joel Embiid. Put those two things together. I don't know how much more you can squeeze out of Harris and Maxi mm-hmm. against the Boston Celtics in a series. It's one thing against the Brooklyn Nets. All right. No offense yeah. to the Nets, but they are not the Boston Celtics. So mm-hmm. oddly enough, Shukri, I think the Celtics actually have the cake, the cake walkier path, if you will, in the NBA yeah. playoffs as compared to the Bruins in the Stanley I Cup playoffs. I genuinely you know? agree. I agree with that a thousand percent. And because, oh, my God, I'm really trying not to get ahead of myself, but it is hard in terms You're of looking at your look, chops right now as a fan. I'm really right like I'm looking at my chops because I will say this again. I expect Bruins leaves round two. And I actually mentioned this somewhere just a little while back. If that happened, do you not understand the ratings that it is going to generate some serious ratings? Because we know that the Bruins and Leafs have 10 years. Of history, obviously, the rivalry goes way back to 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 like the, the, the like 1924. But we're talking about since 2013, the Bruins, and I say this with an evil smile, the Bruins have been responsible for for heartbreak and as well as the trauma in the city of Toronto and the province of Ontario. And for the and I said this once before, one of the great hilarious ironies is if this was the year that the Maple Leafs were to actually win a playoff round, hmm. congratulations, guess who you got next? The Boston Bruins. The buzzsaw, if you the, will. The buzzsaw. So I just want to get your, just, just, just your, your thoughts on any thoughts you may have on that potential matchup as both teams are up 3-1 in their respective series. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned the rivalry historically with Toronto. I always thought that you guys hated the Canadians more so. Oh, we do. A rival. Okay. And we do. Then you have the Canucks too from 2010, yeah. 2011. Yeah. But that sort of has waned because the Canucks suck, right? That's my yeah. understanding. Correct. So Boston has been an absolute power force. Yeah. Talking about the Bruins all season mm. long. The Celtics had their ebbs and flows a little bit, but I mean, the Bruins never wavered throughout the regular season. I mean, they just steamrolled their way, and I'm willing to bet they are a top-two favorite in terms of the betting odds live yeah. right now. I haven't checked Vegas mm-hmm. lately as far as NHL is concerned. But this will be interesting and a funny, hilarious ending for Boston Bruins fans because we will assume that the Bruins win this series against yeah. Toronto, and Toronto can quickly celebrate that series win over Tampa Bay, but mm-hmm. look out. You got Boston, and the narrative continues for Toronto. I'm also looking at down the bracket a little bit, Shukri, mm-hmm. and sure. selfishly as a company man. 
I want the Rangers. I want the Bruins going at it because you and Laz. Oh, my. I take it that you saw the clip. I take it that you saw the clip. I did. Oh, my God. We're rooting for it, buddy. We want it. That's why, because. Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's it. No, because I I made this prediction, and I try to remember if it was February or March. I said I really believe it's going to be Rangers, Rangers, Bruins in the Eastern Conference Finals, but, but if it does happen, New York, Boston, Rangers, Bruins, who they haven't faced each other in a postseason since 2013, round two, and the Bruins were on their way to the Stanley Cup Finals that year. I mean, my God, I to- I told Laz on the pod like, listen, I have a couch here in my apartment. You can crash <laughs> on. I'm dead serious. Come on up. But understand this, you are going to get roasted in in the city. Like, especially like we know that Ranger fans travel well and, and Ranger fans like they I mean, I was here, I was at the game, Rangers Bruins, like during the regular season at TD Garden, and Ranger fans they were loud, obnoxious, and it was just like, y'all pissing me off. Now, if it were to happen, what a st- what what a storyline it would be, especially for me and like Johnny Lass, and for those of you that don't know. We started the official brand new na- national NHL pod pass shoot score. Check it out on Believe Network. It's also on YouTube as well. Hopefully, one day soon enough, it'll be on Believe TV as well, which is now a thing. Amazingly yep. enough, also on, on that on that point there, it's very hard for me. And even if, if you being a native New Englander, you understand this, and and being someone who who follows closely what's going on in terms of the Boston sports scene, in terms of like just, just the excitement and the anticipation between the Bruins and the Celtics. Can, can you remember a time in Boston sports where it was something similar to what we're, what we're experiencing now? I personally can't. I mean, may, maybe I'm speaking out of ignorance, but I can't remember a time like this. Well, you had the Patriots in the Super Bowl back in 04 against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I was right? going right off this Red Sox in their curse. Gotcha. Exactly. I went right to that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there will never be a moment, I don't think, in my lifetime growing up in New England that compares to actually when the Red Sox beat the Yankees in the ALCS because that wow. was the World Series to a lot walk, of people out walk, there. Walk us through what that moment was like as you, someone who was living here at that time. So it's interesting. I am a contrarian at heart and a pain in the ass kid. I was a so you're a young builder, basically. So I was not a Boston fan, despite growing up amongst all the trophies and the banners and what have yeah. you. I chose to be a Baltimore fan. That's wow, where I live now, in the Baltimore area. Um, yeah. So at the time, actually, I was obsessed with Kevin Millar. So I followed him to the Baltimore Orioles when he left the Red Sox. But at the time, 04, I was a Millar guy. So I was involved in, you know, the series and what have you. Mm. And I mean, down 03, never been done before. You saw this distinct personality difference between the Yankees, high decorum, buttoned up, yeah. you know, no yeah. beards allowed. <laughs> and then a bunch of idiots, Red Sox, who just were loose don't let us get to game five. Don't let us get to game six. And sure as hell, don't let us get to game seven. Lo and behold, mm. it happened. And so I think that mentality that the Red Sox had gave them the edge over the Yankees in that series. And I just remember jubilation, excitement, obviously, in the town, in the area. I'm from Nashua, New Hampshire, more specifically. Yeah. But um, obviously, that World Series is just 
groundbreaking and then paved the way for more for the Red Sox. Yeah, exactly. And and just just quickly, I want to touch on the Patriots because I, yeah. we know that the draft is coming up in a couple of days. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers is officially a New York Jet. The trade was made official in what I will describe as probably the greatest moment in the history of ESPN. And I mean that wholeheartedly. The way that Adam Schefter broke the news live on NFL Live in real time and the reactions of Marcus Spears, Dan Olavsky, um, and, and as well as Mina Kimes, who I love dearly, it was, and as well as like, as, as well as like the, the host, it was just like, how? And now is that it's official. And I said this on Twitter, and I know Patriot fans who have been defending Mac Jones to, to, to the ends of the earth, mm-hmm. throw, a, throw a hissy fit. Not my goddamn problem. Not my problem. But the Patriots have now the fourth best quarterback in the division. I would actually put Aaron Rodgers in terms of talent ahead of Josh Allen. I really would. And then Tua Tagovailoa, number three. Mac Jones, number four. The draft is coming up, and there was rumblings as of just a few days ago on Friday. That day, the Patriots met with Kentucky quarterback. Um, oh, and I'm trying to remember his name. It was a Will, Will uh, Levis. Will Levis, yes. And I, <laughs> I just said to myself, you know, this is like the old, the old adage of you're in a you're in a early relationship. Well, you're about a year and a half, about almost two years into the relationship, and now your eyes are wandering, flirt, flirting with other potentials that are out there. So, Cam, wandering eye, wandering eye. There you go. So now, Cam, they had the 14th overall pick on Thursday night. Yeah. And you know what the Patriots needs are. They, they need a tackle from the worst, worst way possible. They still need a number one receiver. And, 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 and dare I say, I think they can still use another, um, a, a, another um, high-profile um, secondary play, whether it be a safety or a corner. Totally. Do, do yeah. you foresee any real possibility that the Patriots could actually take a quarterback and do the, uh, the unthinkable? Or do you think that they end up drafting a tackle um, at pick number 14? I think tackle would be smart. Again, we talked about how I'm a big boy, big boy football fan, yes. right? You win in the trenches and what have you. And that mm-hmm. offensive line last year for the Patriots was absolutely putrid, especially at the tackle position. And they're okay oh, yeah. in the interior. But mm-hmm. I look at a, somebody like Darnell Wright out of Tennessee, had a fabulous combine, number three ranked tackle by PFF, flashed a lot of versatility as a four-year starter there with the Vols. And there's going to be this run of quarterbacks through Creed that I don't even think Will Levis gets to 14. So the Patriots are probably going to have to make a move if they mm-hmm. really want him. And I don't think that's going to happen because you're going to have this influx of really good value down the board because of that quarterback run at the top. And so somebody like Wright would make a lot of sense for me. Maybe they go wide receiver. I'm hearing some buzz about Quentin Johnston out of TCU, Jordan Addison out of USC. Those guys will probably be there, but they're not game breakers. Like that's the type of receiver that the Patriots need right now. Juju is great, but like I think a lot of Patriots, he's a number two. And I think a lot of Patriots fans have some PTSD from 2019 when. Drafting the Harry, that bum. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> maybe they should stick with free agency and trades for a wide yeah. receiver, at least a number one guy. Mm-hmm. But I think tackle would be a really smart decision. And, you know, 
there is some minor buzz out there that maybe the Patriots can make a move for, say, a Trey Lance. But it sounds like oh. they want to stick with Mac for now. But is he, is he the answer? I don't know yet. It's hard to know. I don't. I, I genuinely don't think so. Unless hmm. he has a monster year this upcoming season, I don't think he's the guy long term. And I've been very consistent about this um, on, on my radio show and as well as I'm um, even doing podcasts. So I don't I don't believe in him long term because even though you brought back Bill O'Brien, yay, great, congratulations. But you made that move out of out, out of out of it being a reactionary move and not out of like, you know what? Hmm. Last year we could we could have used a guy like like Bill O'Brien instead of going with, with, with whatever BS plan that there was in place by Bill Belichick. Right. I'm like, okay, you bring him in now, but is the relationship sal- salvageable between Mac Jones and Bill, and Bill Belichick? I'm not entirely sure, but time time will tell. But in terms of the Patriots' potential draft draft pick choices. There was a, a play that came to mind as you were talking about um, uh, the, that tackle from, from Tennessee. Zay Flowers from, from, from Boston College. Yes. Is there a chance that the Patriots could take him at 14? I personally think they should take him at 14 if he's available. But it wouldn't surprise me if he goes like somewhere in, like, in the top 10 or something. Yeah, I think he's going to get snatched up in the top 10. So, listen, I think the ideal selection would be Zay Flowers right yeah. there at number 14. Spent an entire day in Foxborough last month, with, which I think is pretty telling. So, yeah, he could be that game-breaking guy. After Zay, it's going to be a big drop-off as far as wide receivers are concerned. Mm-hmm. So, I wouldn't reach. I would go tackle in that scenario. Or even cornerback. I mean, now that Rodgers is in this division – there is more pressure in terms of secondary play for the Patriots now. Of course, McCourty is gone. Yeah. It sounds like they're going to move Jalen Mills to safety. So you got to fill that corner slot there. So something to keep in mind as far as that is concerned. They did re-sign Jonathan Jones, which I think is good. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I think Zay Flowers ideal, if not tackle or cornerback. In terms of the AFC East now, and I want to go big picture here. Now that Aaron Rodgers is officially a New York Jet, and you look at the landscape of the AFCs between the Dolphins, the Dolphins, they are not going anywhere. Say what you will about to attack of lower, but you look at the talent they have on both the offense and the defensive side of the football, completely undeniable. Even though they lost to, to, to Buffalo, but still, that, that I think Miami is really trending in the right direction. And you look at Buffalo, and you can't help but to think, with all the talent that they have on defense, especially on, on offense, has their chance to win a Super Bowl come and come and gone already? And now with the Jets, and you have Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to be working with Bryce Hall and as well as get uh, Garrett Wilson as well. Where do the Patriots, in your opinion, fall in the AFC East? And do you even think that? They are still a playoff team at this time, given how stacked the division is. You know, I think the talent differential among these four teams is thinner than what people realize. To your point, the Bills, Mm. they stunk up the joint against the Bengals in the playoffs at home. How do you do that? That's pathetic. Their run defense was awful. They did not win the line of scrimmage. Number two, Mm. I am not as high on Aaron Rodgers as maybe you are. 
He wasn't overly impressive with the Green Bay Packers last year. And you have to wonder, does some of that carry over? Now, I know he was disgruntled and what have you, but we're talking about the New York football Jets. Perennial losers have not made the playoffs since 2011. They're on Mm -hmm. the up and up. The defense is good. Can they run the football? Do they have that game-breaking wide receiver? Is Garrett Wilson that guy? I don't know. And then you look to the Miami Dolphins. Their offensive line is putrid. It's porous. They can't run block. That's why Tua's getting hurt. They yeah. can't run the football, so you have these third and longs, and defenses are teeing off on this poor guy to the point where he almost retired. Yeah. That is all to say, Patriots fans, it's not all that dire because you still got Bill. You still got, presumably, a better offensive line after this draft. Mm. Maybe that wide receiver. You got Juju, a veteran guy. Who knows? And of course, you've got my guy, Matthew Judon. I'm a Ravens fan. I miss oh, yeah. him dearly. He's a game breaker. And that oh, he is. edge game is good for the Patriots. So I could see a lot of parity in this division, actually. And final question to, to wrap up the, the podcast. And you look at you you look at in terms of the the NFL. And this is why the NFL is always going to be king. No, no matter what time of year it is. Yeah. They, they don't have games until August for preseason. We're still talking about the draft that's 48 hours away. And and I look at the Patriots where, like, we, we know that we, where they land on, on, in terms of the first round, but we also know, like, what, what, are, what are some of the needs. And, and I, I look at the, the offense, the offensive line and then the receiving core. And I know my personally, my faith in Bill Belichick is waning in terms of being able to draft a receiver, which I I don't trust him from from being able to cook a uh, a medium rare steak on a Sunday night. So <laughs> the question I, I'm getting to is, in terms of the Patriots' needs, do you believe that they will be able to address a significant portion of what they need through the draft? Or do you think they still have to dabble into the free agent market at this point in juncture? Well, they are littered with picks this year. A bunch of fourth round selections, a few sixth round selections. And there is a lot of depth in the wide receiver market this year. So I think the Patriots could probably get a couple of good guys, a Tank Dell out of Houston, Josh Downs out of UNC in the third round, fourth round, something along those lines. So I think if they get their tackle at 14 and then go crazy with the wide receivers and cornerbacks after that, I could see a very much improved Patriots squad. Now, obviously you have to develop these guys and execute on the football field, but on paper, there is big time potential for the Patriots to improve in the draft alone. As far as the free agent market is concerned, it's kind of thin at this point anyway, but they could still maybe, conjure up some deals here and there, but I think this is a massive draft for Bill Belichick's job, to be honest with you. Absolutely. And because this job is on the line, like, and I know that Robert Kraft cannot possibly be happy in, in, in down in Foxborough. He's getting impatient. I bet. Yeah. I, I really do believe that. And that's part of the reason why I do think there is a world of pressure on Bill Belichick this season. It's starting to start with the draft um, on Thursday. Cam Rogers of Believe Network, and you you also have seen him on sta- Stadium. You still see him on, on Stadium Network as well. Cam, thank you for your time, and thank you for hopping on the pod with me, man. It's been an absolute blast, man. Thank you. Hey, great chatting with you, my man.
Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, man. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.